The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, I still have many things to say to you, but they would be too much for you now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will lead you to the complete truth, since he will not be speaking as from himself, but will say only what he has learnt, and he will tell you of the things to come. He will glorify me, since all he tells you will be taken from what is mine. Everything the Father has is mine. That is why I said, all he tells you will be taken from what is mine. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Some decades ago, there was a theologian by the name of Karl Rahner. He was a Jesuit. And Rana was a pretty perceptive guy. You know, he had his finger on the pulse of the, the church and, and I guess where its struggles were, um, just like all of us are trying to do, I guess, um, as faithful members of the body of Christ. We want to know where that body is hurting, where it needs healing and growth. But Rana, I guess, among other things, noticed that the Trinity had just become this obscure, I don't know, abstract idea in the life of Christians. And he said, this has gotten so abstract that you could just replace the Trinity with anything and it wouldn't, wouldn't change much <laughs> because it's a kind of unconscious adoration of a triune God. So he wrote this work on the Trinity, which I guess in recent theology was pretty important. And he's not the only voice, you know, there are, there are others. But it begs the question, you know, how many gods do we believe in? One. And yet we name our God, Father, Son, and Spirit. So immediately our mind is doing cartwheels to try to figure out, wait a minute, <laughs> where are we <laughs> and where is this God of ours? And, and, I, and I, I think it's worth, especially on a day like this, to just pry open the mystery a little bit of who this God is in himself and for us. You know, God has an interior life just like all of us do. Um, in the beginning of John of the Cross, his poems, he begins, it's kind of like Genesis, he says, in the beginning was God in his perfect joy. We don't often hear that, do we? In his perfect joy, absolutely content, absolute serenity and peace uh, within God's self. And it's out of that that he creates. Um, God doesn't create us because he's lonely. He creates us so that we can share in his perfect joy. But he doesn't actually need us in, in, the, in the strict sense of the word. But he wants us. He wants communion with us. If I can, I'd like us, and please feel free to feed into this as a, as a kind of a dialogue, I'd like us to look at the Trinity, and in particular, I'd like us to focus on the Father. I want us to focus on the person of the Father and to gain some kind of an affinity with this person who is our God, who loves us, um, who sends word and spirit to kind of acquaint us with him. Who is this God? To do this, we have to know what we're leaning into and what we're leaning away from. I'm going to use a bit of a technical term here, but um, in spirituality, we have this polar way of um, coming to terms with who God is. So we, we think of God in allegory right like we say god is like a shepherd 
or God is like my rock, or God is like a living spring, or whatever. We're drawing analogies from what we see in the world, what we know to be good. And that helps us a little bit because you think to yourself, okay, if God's like a shepherd, that means he keeps me safe, he leads me to green pastures, he um, fights off the wolves, whatever. Yeah, um, He cares for me. And that image leads me so far. But then after a while you think, well, if God's a shepherd, you know, does he carry around a kind of big God-sized stick? Am I a sheep? The analogy starts to be unhelpful after a while, doesn't it? So, so we have all these analogies. God is a shepherd, God is a rock, whatever. Uh, and the church calls the spirituality, we call that is cataphatic spirituality, using analogies to draw closer to God. But eventually we have to employ a different strategy, which is the exact opposite. God is not like a shepherd. Or rather, God is infinitely more than a shepherd ever could be. God is infinitely more than any analogy we can come up with here. So when I assume that position, I start to move away from the analogy. I kind of leave the shepherd here and I, I move beyond it um, because I'm, I'm seeking God. I'm seeking the true and living God beyond all images, uh, behind all perceptions and whatnot. Where is the Father? It's kind of a trick question, but where would you say the Father is, if you could venture a guess? He's everywhere. Good. He's everywhere. He's in heaven. Good. I'd love one more answer, and we may not get to it yet, but if can you think of anywhere else, even though everywhere covers everything? <laughs> um, he, good. Those are the three answers I wanted. He's in heaven. He's everywhere. He's in us. Now we know that with certainty, don't we? We know it with certainty. We know it apart from our perceptions. Heaven is not up there behind Jupiter, you know? We're not gonna travel there with a spaceship and go and check, God, are you there? Oh yeah, you're there. And that doesn't work that way. The Father will not be perceived there. What about everywhere? Yeah, you're right. God is present to us at all times in his fatherly goodness. But I'm not going to be able to lift up a rock and kind of find his, find him hiding there because he's not perceptible in that way. The Father is not perceptible in that way. Uh, finally, he's in our hearts, and I love that you said that he's in us is what you said, and that's true. As we said, as we heard in that um, second reading, the love of God has been poured into us by the Spirit. The Father is with us in imperceptible ways. So if we want to see the Father. We kind of have to follow a breadcrumb trail, for lack of a better word. You know, we look at the history of Israel. We look at how his gentle, loving hand guided a people on pilgrimage. Uh, we look at the laws which were given to the people and the spirit which kind of completes the law. We look at the way God has um, shepherded and been a rock and been a living spring to his people. We look also, and this is where we come more into a Trinitarian shape, we look at how the Son reveals the Father. You know, in that passage that we heard, that comes from a long dialogue that Jesus is having with his followers, and he's saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. These words I speak, they're not mine. I didn't make them up. I'm bringing them to you from the Father. Philip famously says, show us the Father and then we'll believe. And Jesus says, have I been with you so long? Like, 
Don't you get it? The Father will not become incarnate and walk among you. He's not going to do that. That's not what the Father does. The Father will not be perceived in that way. But He's with you. He's in your heart. He's permeating creation. Uh, he's, he's kind of like breathing life into the whole ecosystem. And I'm here to reveal that to you, Jesus says. So if you've seen me, you don't need to see anything else. You've seen everything. It takes the human mind and the human heart and the human spirit a life's journey to kind of, I guess, come to terms with that, doesn't it? Unless we're somehow very graced to just have this mystical awareness. We need to make a journey. We need to make a pilgrimage to kind of have our eyes perpetually peeled back and see more and more. And Jesus says that. He says, there's so much more I'd like to show you, but you want it. it's too much for you. It's too much for you. So I'm giving you the spirit who in, in God's good timing will reveal all things. And in the meantime, we watch, we pray, we love each other. We stay close to him. The last thing I want to say, because the Father is imperceptible, and we're going to say it in our creed, listen closely when we pray this creed, we say that we believe in God the Father and the Son and the Spirit who proceed from the Father. The Father doesn't proceed anywhere. <laughs> the Father is the Father, full stop. You know? He sends the Spirit and the Word to us to kind of, I don't know, draw us back to Him like a big net. We get caught up in the Son and the Spirit to, to be drawn back to the Father. If we want to perceive the Father, we listen to the Son, we, we live in the Spirit. But I think more than anything else, we have to develop contemplatio, contemplation. Basically, we shut our eyes. We shut our mouths. And if we can, we shut out the big, busy, chaotic world around us, even just for a moment. And we appreciate, Heavenly Father, I know that my senses are not able to grasp you. But I know your love. Like, I know you're here. And we sort of reach with our mind's eye into the dark, you know. And, and, and he holds us there, beyond perception. That's contemplation. And the church and the world needs it quite desperately, frankly. So let's just take a moment in the silence. Maybe if we want, we can close our eyes. And let's just appreciate the fact that the Son and the Spirit have acquainted us with the Father. Who no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and yet it is with us and we are with him.